From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Good to be back in the studio after crisscrossing the country the last several of days. Uh, appreciate Joseph back home filling in, filling in for me. All right, coming up on this Wednesday edition. Peace in your country doesn't depend anymore only on you and your people. It depends on those next to you, on those who are strong. Strong doesn't mean weak. Strong is brave and ready to fight for the life of his citizens and citizens of the world. I was Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky addressing members of the U.S. Congress this morning. President Zelensky is asking for a no-fly zone over Ukraine, as well as more and stronger sanctions against Russia. What will the Biden administration do? We'll talk with Montana Senator Steve Daines in just a moment. And a teacher in Kansas is fighting back against the educational establishment that is increasingly punishing teachers who will not play make-believe when it comes to the transgender craze. Pamela Rickard, a math teacher, has filed a federal lawsuit in Gary County, against the school district and the principal of Fort Riley Middle School in Fort Riley, Kansas. Her attorney, Joshua Nye, joins us with the details a little later. Also, some of you have been emailing me asking about the status of the People's Convoy. It's still rolling. We'll give you the latest with co-organizer Brian Brzee later here on Washington Watch. And the Federal Reserve announcing a rate increase for the first time since before the COVID pandemic. Purpose of the increase is to get inflation under control, which the Biden administration has blamed on Russian President Vladimir Putin. Lately, Democrats have launched a shameless campaign to blame 12 months of inflation, <laughs> not on 12 months of their bad policies, but instead on the last three-week crisis in Europe. The White House informs us, quote, <clears throat> Putin's price hike. Putin's price hike is the culprit. Of course, that is utter nonsense. We'll talk about the impact this could have on families and the economy with Texas Congressman Kevin Brady. We'll also discuss increased sanctions on Russia and what they should look like. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything or you want to share it with, with uh, friends, go to TonyPerkins.com. All right, from today's passage from our two-year journey through the Bible, Stand on the Word, comes Numbers chapter 10, verse 9. And when you go to war in your land against the adversary who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets that you may be remembered before the Lord your God, and you shall be saved from your enemies. You know, whether we acknowledge it or not, we're in a spiritual war, and it's time to sound the alarm. Paul says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Might not be politically correct, but it is biblically accurate, and we need to be sounding the alarm. To join us in this Bible reading plan, go to frc.org Bible. Well, in a moving and powerful address to the U.S. Congress earlier today, Ukrainian President Zelensky called for a U.S.-backed no-fly zone over his country. The Biden administration has pledged more aid to Ukraine, but will that be sufficient? Here to discuss this and more is Senator Steve Daines from the state of Montana. He sits on the Senate Finance Committee, the Energy and Natural Resources Committee, the Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs Committee, 
and the Indian Affairs Committee. Senator, welcome back to the program. Good to join you, Tony. Let's start with uh, President Zelensky, a powerful speech this morning. I played a clip of that just a moment ago. He ended his speech. Most of his speech was uh, was not in English, but the closing part where he appealed to President Biden uh, was spoken in English. Tell us what it was like in the room there this morning. Well, Tony, it was, um, frankly, it was heartbreaking, to, uh, that video that uh, President Zelensky showed of the the pain, the suffering of the people of Ukraine, those mothers, uh, those children, uh, the elderly that are suffering under the, you know, the evil of what's going on with uh, Vladimir Putin and this invasion by the Russians. But it also showed us, Tony, what leadership looks like. Uh, President Zelensky, the people of Ukraine, they're warriors. They're inspiring the entire world uh, to get behind Ukraine and to call out Russia and isolate Russia, whether it's by sanctions and so forth. And so you're seeing this Russian economy absolutely tanking. That's pretty good chance we're going to see a default of the Russians on their debt here the next week or two, as they're holding Vladimir Putin and his evil regime accountable. But I'm reminded, Tony, when I was uh, growing up, when I was attending college, studying engineering years ago, the first president I got to vote for was Ronald Reagan. And Reagan was all about peace through strength. And I contrast that to President Biden, the weakness, the timidity of the president. And perhaps his doctrine is war through weakness. When you exhibit weakness with these thugs, these dictators, those who seek authoritarian control over people, uh, you've got to stand up strong against them. And the hesitation this president has, President Biden, has cost us dearly. And uh, that, that just was the contrast I saw today of what leadership looks like with President Zelensky contrasted what a poor model of leadership with President Biden and weakness. Unfortunately, as you said, this has significant implications you know, not just here for the United States where, you know, our economy is uh, feeling the pain. But as you said, I, I watched the video that uh, President Zelensky showed, and it was heart-wrenching uh, to see. And that's one of the things that's different uh, in the age in which we live, where we actually see these events unfolding in real time. And we uh, we, we see the devastation of, of war and aggression that is being uh, put forward by Vladimir Putin against the the, the peace-desiring Ukrainians. So let me ask you this question, Senator Daines. What's the discussion now that uh, we're, you know, we're almost three weeks into this war, we are seeing, I mean, the, the, the world is watching as Russia and Ukraine is three weeks into this. Uh, will America step forward to support a NATO-backed no-fly zone? Uh, are we just going to continue to provide humanitarian aid? What might be the way forward? Well, I, I think the way forward... Tony, is a way forward that actually is President Zelensky put out today in, uh, in his 30-minute speech. What he said was, if you are not able to uh, provide a no-fly zone, he, he pivoted to an alternative. You know, it, 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 the, the, a no-fly zone is a means to an end. That's to control the skies. But I, I don't believe we should enforce a no-fly zone because that puts potentially U.S. pilots, uh, NATO pilots, in direct conflict with Russian pilots. So I think that is an escalation line that we, we should not go uh, across. 
But what he did ask for was additional S-300s, which would be um, anti-aircraft uh, missile systems. He asked for, he said aircraft. Now, I think what you're really saying is MiG-29s. You know, the Poles have those right. 28 MiG-29s. Uh, I believe we should transfer those to the Ukrainians. Let the Ukrainian pilots fly those out of, uh, out of Europe uh, and, and let them go fight. That's, I think, the right answer. I think that gives the balance of letting the Ukrainians control the skies, but we've got to give them the tools they need uh, to, to win that fight. So that's where I think is the right place to strike uh, the, the right balance here. I'm sure we don't escalate, but at the same time, make sure that Zelensky and the Ukrainians have what they need uh, to win. I mean, the anti-aircraft missiles uh, and artillery is is good, but it's defensive, and you're right, uh, to give them the plane so that they can go on the offensive and control the skies themselves uh, is uh, is essential. As we saw just after his uh, speech to Congress today, uh, this theater in uh, Mirapol being um, bombed uh, that was providing uh, safety and harbor to, uh, to citizens. So the Russians becoming more aggressive in their attacks. Uh, but um, as you talked about the, the, the courage, the bravery, the boldness of the Ukrainians fighting back, it does appear that in the negotiations where there's now talk about if they may reach an agreement and we may see the cessation of, these, uh, of the conflict there in Ukraine, the way forward from there, uh, how do we keep Russia from being able to set up a, a, a puppet government in Ukraine since the Ukrainian economy is going to be devastated by this, uh, by, by this war? Well, I don't think President Zelensky and the Ukrainian people are going to allow a puppet government to exist in Ukraine. Uh, there's 44 million Ukrainians that, uh, that frankly despise Vladimir Putin and will do everything they can to live under freedom. Tony, back in September... Late September, I had several Ukrainian leaders came to my office here in Washington. In fact, literally just off to where I'm looking here to my left, about, about uh, 20 feet. They were leaders from Odessa, of course, that beautiful port city in the Black Sea. It was one of the deputy mayors, a former member of the parliament, a current member of the parliament, and others. When they finished the meeting, their primary ask was, please stop the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And we were pleading with Biden to do that, and, our, and the Democrats. And we were opposed by the Democrats and by Biden in doing so, but that was their number one request. But when they left my office, they gave me a mace. It's about this long, the great big head on it with spikes. And they presented that to me, and with the Ukrainian colors in the bottom in, in silk tassels. And they said, Senator Danes, we're giving this to you because each of us has one of these maces on our desks, every one of us in Ukraine as a reminder of what it is to live under tyranny. They were fearful at that time of a northern invasion from Belarus via the Russians, or of course the frontal assault that's happened through Russia by the Russians, but they're not gonna stand for a puppet government. This fight will go on until the Ukrainians are liberated, are liberated and have driven Vladimir Putin and his evil thugs out of Ukraine. Well, and I hope the role of the U.S. will play at that point is to uh, hold Russia accountable for the devastation that they've uh, brought upon the Ukrainian people and, and force the Russian uh, government to pay to rebuild uh, that nation. Uh, certainly where we are financially as a nation, we can't afford to do that, but we can keep these sanctions in place and continue to squeeze the Russian government until uh, they put forward 
what they've destroyed in Russia and they rebuild it. I mean, in Ukraine and rebuild it. Well, I, I agree with that position, Tony. I mean, these are freedom-loving people. They're, they, you know, the, they're, they're faithful people. You know, look, the legacy of the Christian faith in Ukraine is remarkable, and there's been virtually almost a revival in Ukraine over the last several years, where there's been more religious freedom and, and the ability to, to express their, their faith openly. And I say they're not going backwards. And that's why uh, Putin, I think, has clearly bitten off more than he can chew. They expected Ukraine to fall, they being the, the Russians, within the first two or three days, and that Zelensky would flee the country. Well, they so, uh, I think, um, misunderstood the strength of first President Zelensky and second, the Ukrainian people. They're rallying behind this president. So I, I think one of the undertold stories at this moment, Tony, is the resistance of the Ukrainians and how successful that has been to this point. And how there could be a turning point, some point where the Russians just lose their, their will to fight. And we're starting to see signs of that in the battlefield. So it's still early. This thing's going to go on for quite some time. But we should hope and pray for the resilience of the Ukrainians, that they would repel the Russians, and that they would be victorious in this battle. I think you're absolutely right. Senator Steve Daines, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thanks, Tony. All right, folks, stick around. More Washington Watch to come. Coming up, a Kansas teacher suspended for refusing to use a student's preferred name and pronoun. She's since filed a federal lawsuit and will speak with her attorney right after the break. Good to see teachers fighting back against this nonsense. Don't go away. More Washington Watch to come. Today, moral relativism and political correctness are assaulting truth. How can the world have hope when believers themselves aren't clear on the authority of the Bible? The Church of Jesus Christ always faces a tremendous temptation to deviate from the Word of God. The God who speaks clearly expresses God's intent in giving us His Word and the response that is demanded of those who hear. Nobody ever encounters God and says, that was boring and irrelevant. When people say that about the Bible, it just says to me, they've not encountered the God of the Bible. Our faith is rooted in history, and, and consequently, we need to use the evidence and never be afraid of it. The God Who Speaks is a feature-length documentary from the American Family Association, which could bolster your confidence in the Word of God. Churches really need to see this, really need to understand what the Bible actually is. Available now at thegodwhospeaks.org. Here's a moment of Hope for Your Home with Jerry and Becky Drace. How do you encourage a child who is a worrier? Do you worry and fret sometimes? Well, listen to 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Cast all your cares on Him, for He cares for you. Doesn't take much to make us fret, does it? Or to worry or fear. Maybe peer pressure, bad grades, loss of a job, you just name it. Staying positive and building confidence in a child starts in letting them know that you feel that way sometimes too. Teach your children by your example that when they are sad or worried, they can turn to Jesus. He will lift our spirits and give His strength to help us as we face some very frustrating issues. God really does care. That's a hard concept, but basic to understanding the love of God. Hold your child, reassure your love, then point them to the greater love, God's love. Learn more at HopeForTheHome.org. This has been a moment of hope for your home.
This is the sound of not just one, not just two, but three heartbeats. Heartbeats that were birthed through the ministry of preborn. The heartbeat of a preborn baby can be heard as early as six weeks on ultrasound. The sound of a heartbeat changes everything. I came seeking termination, but once I got here and I took an ultrasound, I was overjoyed when I found out that I was having three baby boys. The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free heartbeats for moms in crisis in America and the direct competition to Planned Parenthood. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. And this time, there were three. To find out more, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Pamela Rickard, a middle school teacher in Fort Riley, Kansas, was denied a religious exemption and suspended for refusing to use a student's preferred first name and pronouns. Now, Rickard maintains that she treats every student with respect and dignity, but that God assigns gender at birth and the school's policies violate her religious beliefs, and she's simply seeking accommodations for those beliefs. Joining me now to discuss this is her attorney in the federal lawsuit, Josh Nye. Josh, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you for having me, Tony. All right, did I miss any of the uh, facts in that uh, lead-in? No, I don't think so. Um, I, the basic idea of this lawsuit is that there are not only free exercise and free speech issues, uh, but due process and equal protection issues as well. Um, the case really has to do with forcing teachers to be accomplices in promoting novel theories about gender identity that are based on advocates, political motives, and unfounded science. And this is not a free speech case about what Pam wants to say. It's a compelled speech case about what the government can force Pam to say in the classroom. She's a math teacher and she wants to teach math. Uh, but unfortunately, the school's actions in this case have um, made her an unwilling accomplice in a new speech code at the school. Um, this so, case really, yeah. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I mean, she's a math teacher, she deals with facts. I mean, two plus two equals four. Uh, so what if students all of a sudden decide two plus two equals five? Does she have to accommodate that? That's the question, where does this stop? This is a policy based on middle schools, uh, schoolers' uh, preferences. Um, and these preferences are not preferences that are formally codified in the school's enrollment records. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, she was disciplined for her choice to um, use the last name uh, of the student at question that were, was contained in the uh, enrollment records of the school. But the right. school said that, that was a violation. So, I mean, so we're very clear on this. So, so a student can just say, hey, uh, in this case, a girl, I want to be identified as a boy. So my pronouns are now he and him. There's nothing in the, the record that's that she's not legally changed. Or he's not. She's not legally changed her name. I'm going to make sure I got to do a flow chart to make sure I keep all this straight. So she has not legally changed her name. Her parents have not signed off on this. This is just something she came up with in the classroom or decided on her own. And the teacher is 
now required to respond to that and, and play along accordingly. Is that correct? That's correct. And this policy is even more absurd. Not only does the school not inform the parents uh, of the new preferences of this eighth grader, um, but the uh, preferences don't even have to be stated directly from the student to the teacher. Um, in this case, uh, Ms. Rickard found out about a new preferred name of the student from the school counselor. Um, that school counselor addressed uh, uh, the student as her biological sex in the email informing Ms. Rickard of the new, um, the new name. So um, the pronouns only became an issue after the fact. And at no time has the student in question directly stated to uh, my client, uh, that she has new preferred name or a new preferred pronoun. My client actually heard about the new pronouns from a classmate. And so the standard is not only implicates um, constitutional issues, but basic classroom control and workability issues. And that's why the due process claims are in there as well. How's a, how's a teacher even supposed to begin right. to comply with something I mean like this? I mean, you could just, I mean, you got to have something that's factual and document. I mean, how can you hold somebody accountable to, to he said, she said, they said, and therefore you violated. I mean, that's, it seems unworkable in terms of a, a structure, but it I want to go back to the possibility for, uh, for, for student on student bullying. How do I know that this student who is informing me of this other student's new preferences isn't trying to embarrass that other student? Exactly. I mean, playing games, uh, kids are known to do that. I did a little bit of that myself in school. But let's talk about beliefs here. Now, we're talking about a, a biological girl, in this case, that believes she has beliefs that she is a boy. Everyone is forced to accommodate that by this school policy, including the teacher. But the teacher has well-documented, historically verified beliefs that are in keeping with the Christian faith. Where is her accommodation? Well, and that's the question is, is there a neutral policy that would accommodate the rights of students and respect students, respect teachers, respect parents? And we actually proposed that particular policy. We think we came up with a pretty good one um, to the school board and they rejected it summarily. At no point have we had a back and forth from the school board to determine if there's some way that we can engage in neutral speech um, to accommodate everyone's, um, everyone's uh, interests. Um, Ms. Rickard is not trying to speak specific things to students. She's trying to teach math. She's trying to get through the day. And right. ultimately, um, ultimately the, the, that's not good enough for the school. And so the fact that the neutral policy was rejected by the school board, I think shows that we've got a far more work to do in explaining how the First Amendment and other constitutional principles inform school policy. Yeah, very quickly, we're almost out of time, but the, the first action by the school board they did in a closed meeting, uh, which they were uh, apparently um, chastised by the attorney general there in Kansas for violating the uh, the closed meeting law. Um, so th the school board has not been forthright in the way they've dealt with your client, have they? Well, in all fairness, I think that was a procedural misstep. We did include it in our facts in the petition, and they did come back and vote in public session to uphold the discipline basically calling, formally calling my client a bully for uh, addressing this student uh, by her legal and enrolled last name. 
Um, but they did it ultimately in open session. Uh, there are concerns, however, with the process throughout in this, and specifically this process, like we talked about, in which teachers attempt to navigate these new policies. Well, we will follow this very clear closely, Josh, because this is becoming an issue across the country and many teachers are facing the same situation. So uh, we will watch this closely. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today here on Washington Watch. Thank you for having me. All right, we will. Uh, this is becoming a, an, a huge problem for teachers who just want to, as he, he said, just want to do their job of teaching. But now they have to play these make-believe games. And if they get it wrong, they're in trouble. Well, coming up next, you've been asking about a, the status of the People's Convoy. Well, I'm going to bring you an update next. Don't go away. Here's Dan Celia with today's Stewardship Moment. Are you a partner with God in your stewardship? Remember Jesus telling the story of a man who pulled down his barns to build larger ones. And then the farmer said to himself that he had much laid up for many years and he could take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Jesus called him a fool because he thought he could put the real values of life in a barn. The farmer's difficulty was that he thought his life consisted of abundance of things. In true Christian stewardship, we are partners and co-workers with God, understanding the real value of life. You've just heard a stewardship moment with Dan Celia of Financial Issues Ministry, helping you plan, give, and invest wisely. For more information, log on to financialissues.org, financialissues.org. Back in 07, my father passed away. My mother had passed away seven years earlier, and they left me a small inheritance, and I wanted to give back to AFA for all they have done for me. Carol talks about her experience with the AFA Foundation. I am an avid listener to AFR. 12 hours a day, and I hear Dan Celia talking about the charitable gift annuity. I liked what the uh, gift annuity offered, donated a certain amount, and from that, I get a check every month, which is retirement income for me. If you'd like to support the work of the AFA and receive a fixed income for life, a charitable gift annuity from the AFA Foundation may just be what you're looking for. Learn more by contacting the Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Several of you have emailed me asking for an update on the people's convoy that we were tracking as they made their way to our nation's capital. This is the uh, the trucker-led protest of the government's overreach in response to the COVID pandemic and all the mandates involved there. Well, they did something for the first time this week as they uh, left the Capitol Beltway. They've been encircling the city, just driving around on the Beltway. Well, they came into the Washington city limits, uh, despite having no plans to exit the highway. They weren't going to get off the highway. They're just kind of going through. They weren't going to go into the surface roads. 
uh, in the city, but police blocked the interstate exits. And I saw this actually when I was uh, the when they were about to come to town. Uh, they had uh, military vehicles, they had snow plows, they had buses blocking the exits. It took forever to get around the city. Now this uh, this week, it comes on the heels of the National Park Service denying the peaceful protesters application for a two-week demonstration on the National Mall. Well, joining me now to discuss yesterday's events and what's happening today is Brian Brzee. He is the co-founder, the co-leader of the convoy, and uh, he goes by Two Scoops. Two Scoops, welcome back. This is Captain Crunch. Come in. How you doing, Captain Crunch? <laughs> hey, I'm doing good. So let's talk about uh, how, what what's happening out there today on the road. Well, I just got back in from the convoy after being blocked at every single exit even though we had no intention of going off the uh, the interstate, they blocked every single exit, causing a traffic nightmare. Not a, not as well as putting the motoring public safety at risk. There's individuals doing U-turns on the interstate, going down on ramps to get off, um, crossing the medians to get back over to their exit. Uh, they they continuously block every single exit, even though we've told them plain as day that we have no intention of going into D.C. proper. Um, uh, so, you know, traffic jam nightmares that they're trying to blame on us. But truly, so what it's are the they D.C. Afraid Metropolitan of? Police. What are they afraid I, well, of? Well, the, the exact words last night was they're afraid of Ottawa. They're afraid of us doing what the drivers did in Canada. That's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of you exercising your First Amendment freedom. Yes. Yeah, precisely. They're they're they are trying to stop American citizens from exercising their First Amendment rights. Yes. Of course, that's in keeping with this administration. Now remember, this is the same administration that had the Department of Justice in collusion with the National School Boards Association uh, put out a memo targeting parents who dare show up at school board meetings. In fact, uh, the National School Boards Association referring to them as domestic terrorists. Uh, and we know that that was uh, prompted by the White House for them writing that letter to the Department of Justice. So this this administration clearly afraid of the American public. So with that in mind, two scoops, what's next? Uh, I mean, we're going to keep doing the same thing every single day. They want to keep wasting resources and, and causing traffic nightmares every day, uh, risking people's uh, uh, safety. That's the D.C. Metropolitan Police Department's fault. They continue to do the same thing. There were threats today that they're going to start arresting us for driving down the road. By how the way, they do that? The how, how do they do How, how are they going to do that? I have no idea what the justification for it is. I think it's probably about time that uh, any civil rights attorneys out there looking to get into the fight, uh, give me a call. I think I think we may have uh, may have to have some conversations here. I mean, you're you're just talking about you. You guys aren't stopping anywhere. You're not blocking anything. You're just driving. Yep. Just driving. We have American flags on our trucks with a whole team of people following behind us. And apparently the D.C. Metro, that is illegal. All right, very quickly, the National Park Service rejected your permit application for a demonstration on the National Mall. Um, what's up with that? Well, actually, it's not at the fault of the National Park Service. Uh, what happened was I put in an initial application that had large numbers, and um, in an effort to try to work with them to meet in the middle, we made some changes over a phone conference. It was both sides totally agreed, and the it was a partial denial that was based on me having to put in writing our new the new things that we talked about. I needed to revise it based on the new things that we agreed upon. 
after much thought about it, they basically wanted me to just pick and choose who gets to come down there. I felt that wasn't right. So I rescinded the application altogether. I see. So how, 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 how's the mood in the convoy? How are, how are all your convoyers doing? They're excited, uh, motivated, and there's many more coming to Hagerstown right now. And it's because of the actions of the D.C. Metropolitan Police Department. Well, Brian, I want to say thank you. And I know that I speak for uh, thousands, millions of Americans across this country that are grateful for the, the truckers leading this effort to stand up for freedom. I think I've been saying this. I, I traveled the country the past uh, five or six days, and I've mentioned the truckers everywhere I go. And uh, a round of applause because you guys are doing what you can with what you have to preserve our freedoms, and we're grateful for it. I appreciate that. Right now, we need all the support from the American people because the day is going to come when the truck driver is going to need you. All right. Brian, thanks so much for joining us today, and uh, we're going to stay in contact. We'll keep tracking uh, what's happening with the, uh, the People's Convoy. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, uh, you can find out more. They still got a, they still have their website up. Uh, you can go to TonyPerkins.com and follow links over. And you heard him. Brian says, we've got any good constitutional attorneys out there. You, uh, they may need your services. I don't know how they'll just start arresting truck drivers for driving. I mean, I don't know how you do that. I mean, I, and I'm speaking as a former police officer. They're using the public roads driving. Now, if they were driving slow or fast, slower than they're allowed or faster than they're allowed, then that's, you can ticket them, but you can't start arresting people just for using the public highways because you don't like the message they're sending. That would be profiling. I think that's wrong, isn't it? At least, at least the left says that. All right, coming up next, Kevin Brady joins me with uh, more sanctions on Putin. That's next. Don't go away. There is only one truth, God's truth. As Christians, we are called to align our beliefs and actions to what the Bible says is true. At Family Research Council's Center for Biblical Worldview, our team of experts have created tools and resources to help aid in the fight for truth. These resources dive into issues including voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. The Center serves to help Christians understand why Scripture must be authoritative and to equip believers to advance and defend their faith in the workplace, in their schools, and in the public square. The Center for Biblical Worldview experts provide research and resources to help prepare believers to give a biblical answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access these free resources at frc.org worldview. See the Worldview Fellows' latest blogs, op-eds, interviews, and publications by signing up for the newsletter at frc.org slash subscriptions. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. 
Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. Aria is suffering for the gospel. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Aria lives in the Middle East in a radical Muslim family. She accepted the invitation of a Christian friend to attend a weekly Bible study and eventually received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. She took her Bible study booklet home, hiding it in her room before her mother found it and gave it to her father. He beat young Aria nearly to death and called the officials to report her as an infidel. They took her to a remote cell where they assaulted her and the Christian friend and eventually let them go. Now, these two women, they didn't grow bitter. They grew bold, and together they've seen hundreds come to Christ in the Middle East where it's nearly impossible to get a Bible. And that's why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleist believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 every gift matched. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or click sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for caring. I'm Tony Perkins, and you're listening to Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. By the way, I want to just say uh, thank you to the uh, the thousands of listeners and uh, supporters of FRC who let Congress know that it is unacceptable to hijack the Violence Against Women's Act. We, uh, the Women's Act, we talked about this uh, last week. And they, they passed it, and, but the left had hijacked it, and they included a lot of uh, LGBT ideology in that measure. But you responded. You put your members of Congress and your senators on notice. And, uh, you know, it's important that they hear from you. We had uh, thousands of uh, folks responded, and I want to say thank you for that. This time, uh, we weren't necessarily successful this go-round, but this is a measure that has to be reauthorized. And I think Republicans uh, got the message that people are not happy with this. Uh, This actually, and I talked about it, I don't want to go back through it all, uh, but we talked about this last week, how this actually puts women at greater risk under this this new LGBT ideology that has been uh, tucked into this. So uh, thank you. We appreciate you responding. We uh, we hear from Capitol Hill when they hear from you. So thank you. All right, the Federal Reserve met today and announced a rate hike with the goal of curbing inflation, raising interest rates, slowing in its slow spending, including uh, government spending, because the government has to pay more for the money that it borrows. But someone may need to inform Speaker Pelosi of that fact, who said this last Friday. So when we're having this discussion, it's important to dispel some of those who say, well, it's the government spending. No, it isn't. The government spending is doing the exact reverse, reducing the national debt. It is not inflationary. So the government, when the government spends more money, it actually reduces inflation as opposed to the spending that other people do. Okay. Well, here to respond to this and discuss the sanctions on Russia is Congressman Kevin Brady of Texas. He is the ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. Congressman Brady, welcome back to the program. Good to see you, Tony. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Thank you. All right. Before we get into uh, Ukraine, I know you were there for the the speech this morning from President President Zelensky. But all right, am I missing something or does Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats need to take an economics course? Yeah, you're not missing anything, Tony. 
All of that claim, those claims are nonsense. Truth of the matter is government spending has driven inflation in a major way. And, and you don't have to take my word for it. Just look at a graph of inflation. It takes off in America uh, immediately upon the passage of that nearly $2 trillion so-called COVID stimulus uh, that paid people more to stay home than go to work, unleashed another round of stimulus uh, bills, a bunch of government spending. And inflation has now been raging for more than a year uh, as of this month. It is the highest in, in 40 years. But here's the thing, inflation is accelerating. The rate of it is accelerating over the last half of the year. And for real wages this year in 2022, so sort of the purchasing power of, a, of an average family watching this show, uh, it has dropped more in this year uh, than at any time since the country started recording you know, real wages for families. In the wholesale prices we saw the other day, in other words, you know, how, how fast are prices raising for our businesses when they buy products for their company is the uh, highest year over year since we've seen, again, in history. So when Speaker Pelosi or the president claims that more spending will reduce inflation, uh, it's just there's no economic book in America that, that makes that statement. Yeah, the president as well, they're speaking to the Democrats uh, to their retreat up in uh, Pennsylvania on Friday, said the same thing. He said, quote, I'm sick of this stuff, uh, referring to people that are saying government spending is creating inflation. He says the American people think the reason for inflation is the government spending more money. Simply not true. But, uh, Kevin, just to make sure that our, our listeners and viewers know that this isn't just conservatives saying this, Stephen Ratner, former Treasury department official under the Obama administration has called the spending in Biden's American rescue plan the original sin that caused the inflation we're seeing. Yeah, and he's not alone. There have been a number of Obama administration and even President Biden's favorite economic forecaster, Mark Sandy, says that not only is Build Back Better inflationary, but if Democrats break it apart and pass it, quote, in chunks, as they often like to say, that that too will drive prices up longer uh, and higher. And I would tell you this too, Tony, so president at State of the Union still is focused on not just more government spending and social programs, but on higher taxes. But those higher taxes on businesses will drive inflation higher because it'll be passed down in higher prices to families uh, and workers in, in other small businesses. So look, I, I don't think the president has, I think he's confused by the economy. Certainly Americans already know the government spending is driving this. And I noticed as he was giving his State of the Union, more than half of Americans believe the economy is either in a recession or a depression. And most believe their financial uh, status will be worse off over the next year as a result of all of this. So look, uh, in the Fed today, I, I was really disappointed in the sense that I think the, the Federal Reserve is so far behind the curve on inflation. I don't honestly know how they catch up in a quarter point at a time is just not going to do it. And so I am, I worry besides the national debt, you know, this wage price spiral that's so damaging to a country, uh, I fear we're already in it and that we are either in one or headed toward a recession later this year, none of which we want. Now, Congressman Brady, last time we were discussing this, this was before 
the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which has caused this uh, historic spike in gasoline uh, fuel prices. And so that's now added to the mix of uh, the inf what's driving inflation, the pinch on the American family. I mean, so there's several factors. It's almost like a perfect storm when it comes to the economic situation here in, in the United States. How, how, do we, how do we right the ship? How do we get this thing moving in the right yeah. direction and stabilize it? Yeah, so I do. And Tony, I, I think you agree with me. I think it was important for Congress actually came together, both parties, to immediately ban purchases of Russian energy. And tomorrow we will pass legislation that that's about 60% of what America buys from Russia. That leaves a lot more. So tomorrow we're going to remove the special trading relationship we have with Russia so that we go after the other 40% they sell us. There's no need for Americans to be, you know, providing income to that war machine. Uh, and that, it, that will add some supply chain issues and will drive prices up somewhat. But there's no question, especially on energy, America put itself in this position of being vulnerable by stopping more made, made in America energy, the Keystone Pipeline, stopping cold leases offshore and onshore in this regulatory assault on you know, states like Texas and Louisiana and Oklahoma that are the real providers of energy in America. So you know, President Biden's policies brought this on himself, and I worry he's going to keep making, repeating the same mistakes of us being beholden to other countries for the price of, of energy. We ought to be self-sufficient in that regard. You know, speaking of these sanctions, I know there's uh, that was one of the requests that uh, President Zelensky made this morning, additional, stronger sanctions, as well as uh, the ability to create a no-fly zone uh, if, you, if, the, if NATO won't do it, then give them, uh, you know, jets so that they can do it. Uh, so those requests were being made. But I, I just want to put something on, on, on the table because it, it does look, I mean, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel here. I mean, Russia thought they could roll in and, and, and knock Ukraine aside and take over, but the people are being very resilient and they're holding on. And it may be that there's a brokered peace here. One of the things that uh, Russia needs to be on the hook for is restitution and rebuilding that country. Uh -huh. So any sanctions that are released after this is over, it needs to be conditioned upon them, not us, rebuilding the country of Ukraine and their infrastructure. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a perfect point, Tony. No one's really talking about that yet, but that should be very much part of our policies. And I think, look, it was one, it's powerful to hear from President Zelensky, it was moving to see the update where Ukraine has come in such a short time, how it's just, it's genocide, how it's a destruction of a whole country. No one wants World War III, but we've got to find a way, provide that air cover uh, to Ukraine, if not directly, indirectly, because I think the sooner we do that, the stronger position they'll be in to broker a peace agreement that's real and retains them as a free and, and independent government. I mean, it was a powerful, I listened to the speech this morning as he spoke to the, uh, to the members of Congress, showing the video of what's actually taking place, powerful images. And I know that it was, uh, you can't watch that and not be touched by what they're, what's happening there to those innocent, uh, peace-loving uh, people. And, and quite frankly, putting ourselves in that position. I mean, it can happen in the, in the world in which we live. 
no is doubt. there movement? Is there movement among the parties, a, a bipartisan effort to release and find a way to get these uh, MiG planes, these jet fighters that they want from Poland, that Poland said they'll give to us and we can release to Ukraine? Is there movement on that front? Good question. I think there's growing support for that. Uh, I think there's an openness to the military finding another way uh, to do it, whether it's through anti-aircraft uh, missiles, the drones, again, backfilling other countries. I can't help but think if we were sending uh, that air support from about five different countries into the Ukraine, I think it'd be very difficult for Russia to stop a, uh, a sort of flood the zone type approach for that weaponry. Um, I just keep thinking our military is so powerful and we can be so creative. There's got to be a way to help them close those skies, because I think that will hasten the end, uh, the end of this war. Uh, Congressman Brady, uh, this afternoon, the president was asked a question, uh, you know, and I know how this is. You're walking off the podium and he's asked a question about Vladimir Putin. Is he a war criminal? Uh, to which he uh, first said no, but then he went back and what was the question? And said, uh, yes, I do think so. The president declaring that Vladimir Putin is a war criminal because we see that there's the targeting of civilians that's taking place there in Ukraine. And I think that's out of desperation to try to create fear, to have the people put pressure on the Ukrainian administration to, to raise a white flag. Uh, does that declaration provide greater prompting for this administration to act? I sure hope so. You know, they've been reluctant here. Uh, to act in a number of these ways. And again, 10, to get, 10 days ago, the president was fighting the ban on Russian energy until he realized Republicans, Democrats in the House and Senate, now is involved in these negotiations, had agreed to cut off those purchases and also removing the special trade status for Russia. Same thing. Now he's embraced both of those. My sense is Congress is continuing to push in both parties, push the president towards stronger sanctions here. Not I mean, smart ways of doing this. Uh, there's no warmongering here, but the right, world has right. changed in the last three weeks. You can no longer hide, you know, the genocide, the destruction, the death here uh, in these wars. And so I think it is changing, hopefully in a good way, how we consider this, because we, we know Putin is not stopping here. We, we know that. And, and there's yeah. a lot at stake. That's a really good point. I, I need to underscore that repeatedly, is that, you know, we're not advocating at this point, putting military, U.S. military on the ground in Ukraine. But you're right, what we know we're accountable for. You know, in World War II, there's a lot of things we didn't know till after the fact. But in today's world with the technology that we have, we're made aware of what is unfolding in real time. And so we are then accountable for what we know. And so I, I, it, 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 it puts a burden on this government, the United States, greater than others because we have walked in a leadership role. Now, if we if we don't want that leadership role, then someone else fills it. But you know what happens then? Someone else is calling the shots around the world that has a different set of values. They do, and as we've learned as a child, as children with, with great uh, blessings come great responsibility. Yes. And we are that nation. And it is, if you are, you know, for those of us uh, uh, watching today, all of us so pro-life, and the protection, that dignity, that could be us. That 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 is us. A free, sovereign, independent country being attacked like that. That's why 
I think there was a different mood coming out of that those remarks in that in that room, um, uh, Tony, than when we went into it. All right. Congressman Kevin Brady, always great to talk with you, my friend. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good to see you. Take care. All right. Congressman Kevin Brady of uh, Texas ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. Look, I, I think there is tremendous responsibility that comes with leadership. And if we're going to lead as a nation and take the values that are ingrained on ingrained in who we are and what we stand for as Americans, and, and, and granted, I know this administration doesn't do that, but as a nation, we have historically. There's a responsibility that comes because once you lose that position of leadership, it is not easy to get it back. So we need to be praying that this administration would get it right, even if it's against their inclinations. We need to be praying for the leaders in Congress, we need to be praying for the media, that they would tell the truth. And we need to be praying, obviously, first and foremost, for the people of Ukraine. And being mindful, we have elections coming up. And the policies that led us to this point and the world to this point, well, they're the outcome of elections. So I encourage you to pray, to vote, and to stand. And I leave you on that note of stand coming from the Apostle Paul over in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.